Well, it seems they finally found the smoking gun or the smocking gun. If you're the failed former president about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, the bribery criminal corruption scheme that dates back potentially 40 years because Joe Biden is some kind of mob like criminal genius. They finally found the smoking gun, and it's that Hunter Biden paid Joe Biden back a few thousand dollars for a car loan that uh, Joe Biden helped his son out with. I know that it sounds absurd. I know that it seems beyond parody that after all of the investigation, this is the best they can come up with. But this is the best that they've been able to come up with. So we're going to look at it and I think it will become very evident um, if you look at this with an honest and um, open minded manner that there is just nothing here. And if this is the best they can do, it's not even clear there's any crime here, never mind a crime that Joe or Hunter Biden have been involved in. So Marjorie Taylor Greene breathlessly tweeting yesterday, quote, every Democrat and every media outlet keep parroting the lie. There's no evidence, but the Republican Oversight Committee has it. Here's direct evidence of Joe Biden making money from the Biden crime family influence peddling and bribery scandal, subpoenaed bank documents don't lie. Joe Biden got paid over and over again. Now, it's hard to see the image. It's an ACH authorization agreement. ACH is a sort of bank transfer system similar to wire transfers, but not wire transfers. It's sort of hard to see exactly what this is all about. But what this is all about is a small car loan. There are three payments of thirteen hundred and eighty dollars each totaling forty one hundred forty dollars. And they appear to be nothing more sinister than Hunter Biden paying Joe Biden back for some truck loan or lease payments that Joe Biden paid for Hunter when Hunter was low on cash. That's what this appears to, to be. James Comer, Republican who is desperate to find some criminality. James Comer says this is proof of a crime and China may even be involved. Listen to this. These are not serious people. President Joe Biden claimed there was an absolute wall between his official government duties and his family's influence peddling schemes. This was a lie. President Joe Biden claimed his family didn't receive money from China. This was a lie. President Joe Biden claimed he never spoke to his son, Hunter Biden, about the Biden's family's shady business dealings. This was a lie. Now, Hunter Biden's legal team and the White House's media allies claim Hunter's corporate entities never made payments directly to Joe Biden. We can officially add this latest talking point to the list of lies. Now, remember, all we know is Hunter Biden paid Joe Biden back for a car. And the idea that this is some sinister China involved thing, there's just no evidence for it. Now, I know they don't care about evidence, but it should be mentioned. Today, the House Oversight Committee is releasing subpoenaed bank records that show Hunter Biden's business entity, a Wasco PC, made direct monthly payments to Joe Biden. This wasn't a payment from Hunter Biden's personal account, but an account for his corporation that received payments from China and other shady corners of the world. At this moment, 
Hunter Biden is under an investigation by the Department of Justice for using a Wasco PC for tax evasion and other serious crimes. And based on whistleblower testimony, we know the Justice Department made a concerted effort to prevent investigators from asking questions about Joe Biden. I wonder why. The more we learn, it appears the Justice Department was trying to cover up for the Bidens. Now, there is not only no evidence whatsoever that these smoking gun payments are linked to China, there's no evidence whatsoever for any of the things that James Comer is saying here. It looks like Hunter Biden repaid Joe Biden $4,000 either for car loan or car lease payments. Uh, later on last night, James Comer appeared on Fox News and suggested that Joe violated Joe Biden may have violated FARA laws because of the truck repayment. This is, of course, not based in the law. Reason we want to depose Hunter Biden. We want to say, what did you do to receive this income? If it was, in fact, lobbying, if he was a lobbyist for China, then that's that's <laughs> called a foreign agent and he's an unregistered foreign agent. And that's a, right. that's a penalty of uh, up to five years imprisonment and two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine. And Joe Biden then was receiving direct benefit from his son being an unregistered foreign agent. So you could make a strong argument that Joe Biden violated the FARA laws as well. You cannot make that argument. I'm more concerned with the two billion that Jared Kushner got from Saudi Arabia than I am about four thousand bucks that Joe Biden loaned Hunter for a car and Hunter paid him back. These are not serious people. The crime should be spending a year lying to the American people and wasting taxpayer dollars on an investigation that clearly seems to be going nowhere. Here's just one more clip. Here's Republican Congressman Byron Donalds last night with Laura Ingraham. Ingraham says to Byron Donalds, Hunter says this was for a car. And Byron says, what car? Now, uh, Congressman, switching gears, the Oversight Committee uh, that you're on says that in 2018, Hunter Biden sent payments to his father using a business account that received payments directly from China. According to the subpoenaed records, the payments were nearly $1,400 and happened monthly. Hunter's defense is that he was paying his dad back for car payments. Oh, what car? This is a joke. Listen, one of the things, <laughs> I'm, I'm from the banking industry. One of the things that we always knew is that if there were these loan agreements that were floating out there with no actual loan uh, document, that is tantamount to money laundering and tax evasion. OK, the only problem with this is we have the picture and we'll put it up on the screen of Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, the dealer, the salesman named Jim Keen and the vehicle in question. That's the car, Byron Donalds. They have nothing left and what started with a broad scope conspiracy here uh, in order to uh, determine all of the long list of crimes Joe Biden committed. What we are left with is Hunter paid Joe back four grand for a car that we have a picture of out of one of his business accounts. And for all we know, it was a business vehicle. Now, you might say, David, a business vehicle that uh, what, what does that really mean? I know lots of people register their vehicles as business vehicles, and there's a question as to whether it's really a business vehicle. That's for the IRS to figure out. And if they say, hey, you know what? This car wasn't really used as a business vehicle. Uh, here's what you owe us. Uh, but we're not talking about a crime, and we're certainly not talking about a crime that involves uh, Hunter Biden nor Joe Biden. So that's where we are. It's a car, a car we have a picture of. That's the, the, the money trail that they've been able to track down. Uh, yesterday, we talked about um, extremism in the military. 
And specifically, we talked about a new report from the Pentagon that found hundreds of instances of members of the military in all of the branches of the of the military with a desire to overthrow the government. And one of the things that I mentioned yesterday is that because the United States has an all volunteer military, there is a self selection bias that applies. You don't get a cross section of people in the American military in the way that you would if there was a draft because the only people in the military are the ones who say, hey, I'd like to join the military. And yesterday I made clear I'm not advocating for a draft. I'm just pointing out this is the reality. There's a self-selection bias at play. Surprisingly, I received dozens of emails about this, including from progressive members of the military who said, David, I'm in the military. I'm a progressive. My views are quite marginal within the military. I actually believe this is some in the audience saying I actually believe if we had a draft, it would fix a lot of the problems with the American military. Culturally, it would fix problems of when the military is used around the world. And you should really reconsider that. So I'm reconsidering it. I'm coming to you today. And the question that I want to explore is whether a military draft is a good idea from a progressive standpoint. And I'll explain to you why I'm wondering about this. Now, again, I want to say I'm not calling for a draft. I'm presenting you with an idea that we can evaluate. Imagine that there were a military draft in today's world. It certainly would lead to a more diverse military, reflecting the fact that there are economic differences uh, in the United States. We're not just talking about race and gender, but we're talking socioeconomic, political beliefs, educational background. If there were a military draft immediately, we would have a far wider uh, uh, representation of different sorts of folks with different backgrounds and from different situations in the military. And arguably that would be good. But there's another reason that the idea of a military draft as a progressive reform is interesting. If you have a draft, you could deepen democratic accountability. And I'll explain to you what I mean. If more citizens or their loved ones were potentially going to have to serve, I would guess that public engagement with military decisions would go way up. Let me give you an example. If I knew that my kid was going to be drafted, I am now going to be way more engaged with what is the military doing? Where is the military being deployed? Making sure that the elected officials we select aren't going to send our military into harm's way when it doesn't make sense or use the military for their personal personal political goals. I'm maybe not the perfect example because I'm already engaged with that stuff, but there are lots of people who may be more engaged with foreign policy and how the military is being deployed if they or their loved ones may be subject to a draft. And maybe and this is where we get to the progressive goal, maybe it would lead to a more restrained military approach, something that progressives like me have been advocating for a very long time. Now, there's no question that there are problems with a draft. Uh, Does it impinge on on freedom? Uh, are volunteers more effective than people who have been conscripted? These are all legitimate questions and things that should be discussed. But there's a larger freedom, arguably, in a society that shares responsibility equally and incentivizes everyone to be engaged with the moral and ethical considerations of how the military is being deployed 
and so many of these other questions. We've seen the rise in extremist ideology within the military. You could dilute the extremism of the military by drafting people with a wider spectrum of belief. You might create a more balanced force, a more representative force, a more progressive force. So I'm not calling for a draft. But after I mentioned this in passing yesterday and so many people wrote to me and said, no, David, you're on the right track. The question I will leave you with is, could a military draft be something that moves the United States towards a more accountable military, a more diverse defense force, a more equitable and restrained armed forces? It's a complex issue. I want to hear from you about it. Am I maybe on to something here? Uh, or is this analysis worth what you paid for it, which is zero? Uh, let me know in the comments. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Folks, something happened overnight. 3000 YouTube subscribers dumped in like the votes on that day that Trump talks about. Um, and we may actually get to two million subscribers today. If we do, everyone on our mailing list will be notified about an ungodly, humiliatingly cheap membership special. Make sure you're on the newsletter, davidpackman.com. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. We all have someone on our shopping list who is tough to find a gift for. Here's an out of the box idea. Cannabis as a holiday gift. Our sponsor, Ounce of Hope, ships psychoactive THC cannabis products right to your door all over the US. It is completely federally legal and they are giving you 20 percent off for the holidays with the code Pacman. Ounce of Hope has an amazing selection of recreational Delta eight and nine THC edibles, including sweet treats perfect for the holidays, brownies, Rice Krispie treats, chocolates, caramels, even honey. They also have gummies, beverages, soft gels, oils, topicals and CBD. Ounce of Hope grows their own cannabis plants and produces all of these products in house in their indoor aquaponic farm in Memphis, Tennessee. They do so much for their community, including feeding the homeless, donating supplies to local co-op gardens. That's where the hope in Ounce of Hope comes from. Ounce of Hope are big fans of The David Pakman Show. They love supporting the work we do here, and you can support them. We all have that friend on our list who should enjoy some cannabis for the holiday. Pick yourself up some, too, as long as everyone's 21 or older. Check them out at ounceofhope.com. Take advantage of the holiday sale, giving you 20% off everything when you use the code Pacman. That's O U N C E of hope.com. Use code Pacman for 20% off. The info is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you nerd wallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. When the holidays come around and you can't always celebrate in person with family or friends, it's typical to miss them. And that's why I love our sponsor, Aura Digital Frames. It's a new, unique 
more personal way to keep in touch, especially around the holidays. I have gifted each of my parents an aura frame with pictures of the baby preloaded so I can add pictures. They can add pictures. There's no USB. It's just infinite cloud photo storage. Everything happens seamlessly over Wi-Fi. Really easy. Give your loved one the best gift ever this year. See why Aura was named the number one digital frame by The New York Times, Wired and others. And you'll get $30 off their best selling frames when you go to AuraFrames.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. The frames sell out quickly. Get yours before they are gone. That's a u r a frames dot com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman for thirty dollars off. The info is in the podcast notes. There is a fascinating development in the Republican primary for president, which we've been following closely. I don't want to pretend that I'm coming to you today and saying Trump is imminently going to lose this thing. Trump is still crushing everybody. But the case that Nikki Haley is the only person even theoretically in a position to challenge Trump is a case that is stronger every passing day with the polling data that we are seeing. Again, I think unless Trump dies, he's the nominee. But is Nikki Haley going to be the only person to even maybe give the guy a run for his money? Not Ron DeSantis. I think that's becoming obvious at this point in time. Take a look at some of these numbers and let me know what you think. If we start with the national numbers, just general election, Republican polling, national numbers. Donald Trump is in a commanding lead now with more than 61 percent of the vote. Ron DeSantis is still in second with 13 percent. But Nikki Haley is now within three points of DeSantis at 10. DeSantis 13, Haley 10. There was a point in time at which it was DeSantis 31, Nikki Haley 1. Think about that. DeSantis 31, Haley 1. And it is now 13 to 10. But these are the national numbers. As maybe you know, uh, the primary isn't held all in one day, it goes uh, in order. And if we start with Iowa, in Iowa, Nikki Haley also is surging from behind Ron DeSantis. And what was once DeSantis 28, Nikki Haley 5, is now DeSantis 13, Haley 14. So in that first caucus where Trump does have a lead, but it is under 50 percent, Nikki Haley is basically tied with Ron DeSantis. And depending on how she does in tomorrow night's debate, depending on what happens between now and when Iowa votes, it's completely plausible that Nikki Haley ties DeSantis in Iowa or actually comes in in second place. We then move to New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, Nikki Haley is already easily in second place and is the candidate that is surging the most. In New Hampshire, it's Trump 45, Nikki Haley 19. DeSantis isn't even in third place in New Hampshire. So, You could have a situation where Nikki Haley comes in second in Iowa and then second in New Hampshire. That's already much better than anybody has been talking about for a long time. We then move to South Carolina. Now, in South Carolina, the polling is about a month old. That being said, Nikki Haley was already almost doubling DeSantis at the end uh, at the middle of November with 19 in South Carolina to DeSantis's 10. So once again, this is her home state. After all, Nikki Haley looking at a strong second place in South Carolina. She may even be buoyed further by overperforming in Iowa, overperforming in New Hampshire. 
And then finally, this then nets next gets us to Nevada. Now, the thing about Nevada is we don't the, the polling we have is two months old. At that time, DeSantis was still in second place. Nikki Haley was in third. My guess is if we got accurate polling today in Nevada, Nikki Haley's doing way better than this early October, late September poll suggests. And if she does well in Iowa, if she does well in New Hampshire, if she does well in South Carolina, I only imagine that she will do even better in Nevada. So where does this all get us? It still gets us to Trump becomes the nominee unless he dies or is imprisoned. And even then, I think he might still win the nomination from prison. But it tells us that there is at least a contingent of the Republican Party that realizes the future is not DeSantis. Maybe there is an interest in coalescing around somebody else. And maybe the most important takeaway is if something were to happen to DeSantis, uh, or rather, if something were to happen to Trump, Nikki Haley would be the natural person to become the nominee rather than DeSantis. I don't think it will happen. I don't think it will happen. But the numbers for Nikki Haley are absolutely fascinating. If you want to talk about signs of trouble for Democrats in 2024, we can talk about them. And we have. If you want to talk about signs of trouble for Republicans in 2024, we also should be talking about them. And here is an absolutely fascinating one. The Intercept reports about a stunning poll out of Nebraska where an independent union leader challenger candidate is currently ahead of the incumbent Republican senator in the very, very red state of Nebraska. Take a look at this with Senate control hanging in the balance. Nebraska Democrats are considering backing Dan Osborne in his challenge against Republican Senator Deb Fisher. Dan Osborne is a 48 year old military veteran who helped lead the 2021 strikes against Kellogg's, who has launched a challenge against the 72 year old Nebraska Republican Senator Deb Fisher. Deb Fisher is the incumbent. She's currently the senator. A poll conducted by Change Research, admittedly a liberal polling firm, uh, shows Osborne leading Fisher by two points. Nebraska has voted for a Republican for president every year since 1964. And this shows that respondents plan to vote for Trump over Biden by a margin of 16. And yet and yet Osborne leads Fisher 40 to 38. Fisher has been a senator for a decade. She's on the Armed Services Committee. She's on the Agricultural Committee. So let's talk about this. First and foremost, this is a liberal polling firm. So you could say, well, it's probably not accurate. Fine. Maybe it's not accurate, but at least it tells us that this is competitive. Secondly, this isn't a Democrat. We're talking about an independent. That's absolutely true. But this is a pro union independent. This is arguably a sort of left leaning independent, at least on economic issues. Also a military veteran. If someone you know, we talk about who could defeat um, who could defeat a Republican in West Virginia that's to the left of Joe Manchin? Uh, well, we don't know, but certainly the type of person that might be able to win in a deeply red state like Nebraska would be a centrist pro union independent uh, with a military background. That's actually super interesting. So then the question for Democrats becomes, and this is already the question Democrats in Nebraska are asking, if indeed an actual left wing Democrat doesn't stand a chance here, is our best bet to dislodge a recalcitrant 
Repub recalcitrant Republican from the Senate uh, going with an independent uh, like Osborne. And I think the idea is maybe yes, under the circumstances, it probably does make sense for Democrats to say, hey, this is who we're going to support. The, the only caveat to this would be, would this guy be hurt by Democrats coming out in his favor? Needless to say, anybody who is suggesting that the 2024 election is some kind of foregone conclusion clearly isn't paying attention. Now, that doesn't mean that it will be a good election for Democrats. It very well may be or it may not be. But the important thing to consider is that with such a small margin in the House of Representatives, a real question mark around the Senate, particularly based on who's up for reelection, both houses, both both uh, uh, chambers of Congress, the House and Senate could come down to just a few elections. And that's why everybody must vote. I know I'm a broken record with this at this point. You look at Adam Frisch versus Lauren Boebert in Colorado. Oh, 550 votes was what saved Lauren Boebert in 2022. 550 votes going the other way could actually determine do Democrats control the House of Representatives? What happens with George Sanctos's seat in uh, from New York in the House of Representatives? could determine who ultimately controls the, the uh, House of Representatives. So I don't say this every year in 2012. I wasn't coming to you all with tears in my eyes saying this is the most important election of our lifetime. I supported Obama over Romney, but Romney was not going to threaten and jeopardize democracy as we know it. You could have a situation in January of 2025 where Republicans control the White House, the House and the Senate, or you could have a situation in January 2025 where Democrats control the White House, the House and the Senate or some combination thereof. This is genuinely one of the most important elections I remember ever covering. 2020 was as well. We got past it barely. And now we have 2024. Uh, I hope everybody's registered. I hope everybody's planning to vote. Roseanne Barr, who I guess is a comedian. <laughs> I know the, the the funniest thing about Roseanne Barr is saying she's a comedian. I, I know. She appeared on the Bill Maher program and they got to talking, I guess, about elements of medical, medical elements, medical things. And Roseanne Barr tells Bill Maher the covid vaccine is killing everyone. The billionaires want to kill us and the covid vaccine is killing everyone. Uh, we're going to fact check this and I want to make clear for all of the different platforms that are going to limit me because I'm spreading anti-vax propaganda. I'm about to debunk, debunk, debunk anti-vax propaganda. OK, let's listen to what Roseanne Barr had to say. You're all pro-chemical and pro-Monsanto and all that crazy. I'm shit. so not. You know, that. are you me? The you say drives me berserk. OK, I have a. You can attack me on many things. No, I'm not going to attack you. I, I'm just no, no, conversing. But I'm just, I'm just Listen, I, I know, but wait, I want to. No, 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 give me your hand. I need to straighten you out on no, something. No, uh, straighten me. Yes, because you, you, you don't even know. No, okay, you won't okay, straighten but, me but out. I, I'm 70. If I want No, put your hand down right there. Do it. No. Put your hand there. Why? What are you going to do? Slap I'm going to cover it with mine, and I'm going to tell oh, okay. you that I <laughs> okay. love you. Okay. Wow. What a 180 that was. I love okay. you and I don't want I, to hurt you. Leave your you fucking hand there. I washed mine. <laughs> oh, oh, that's Listen, right. I love you and oh. I want to bring everybody together to see they're getting screwed and robbed. Okay? Now, are we on the same page with that? Yeah. Okay, now let's well, talk. All right. Uh, 
I have a lot of videotape that if I wanted to go into the archives, I could send you where I, pretty much alone in media, was questioning the pharmaceutical industry and people like Monsanto. I was early part of the century with the I show. Was for, yeah, so I'm not the guy to hit that hit with I'm not, the, hey, you you're nothing. for Monsanto. But what I was, about the vaccine shit? And I've been way out on the limb on that one too. You were wrong. I don't know which, what, I don't know what your stance on vaccines is, so why don't you tell me yours and I'll tell you mine and we'll see who's wrong. They're trying to f- kill us. They're trying to? Yeah, that's why they're giving us the vaccine. I don't think they're trying. Well, they <laughs> are killing that. us. Uh, well, it's much more complicated. They hate us. Who hates us? The pharmaceutical industry? No, actually. The, ri- the f- crazy ass psychopath billionaires. Oh, boy. They hate the regular people. Okay, Bernie. So, but you're not one of the regular people. You look at you. You're a Southern Belle. You're you're like in a Tennessee Williams play, and you're the. Uh, I've always depended on the kindness of strangers. All right, they're killing us. They are killing us. The vaccine is killing us. We really need to take this head on because this this will not go away. This talking point will not go away. Has even a single person died from the COVID vaccine? I'm open to the possibility that someone has in the sense that when millions and millions and millions and hundreds of millions, maybe billions of people get a vaccine, there are different adverse reactions. And could someone die from an adverse reaction? Sure. But I've been looking everywhere for instances where someone died from the covid vaccine. I just haven't found a single instance, right? We start looking into the data. There have been rare cases of serious side effects. The J and J vaccine was associated with a rare blood clotting disorder, specifically women under 50. The AstraZeneca vaccine wasn't even used in the United States associated with those issues. But have any actual deaths been attributed to it? I wasn't able to find any Um, in terms of more generally, uh, there's this idea that if you're 80 and you get vaccinated and you die three months later, that that's a vaccine death. And a lot of the vaccine deaths reported in the Vayers system are things like that. But can we attribute even a single one to the vaccine? I haven't been able to find a single one with any vaccine. You can have an anaphylactic reaction. And it seems with the covid vaccine, it was happening in five out of every million doses administered. It's a severe allergic reaction. It can occur after a flu shot or whatever. Uh, From what I've been able to find, no deaths from anaphylaxis were reported. Um, There were studies done of uh, other sorts of reactions, the, the myocarditis, the pericarditis. Uncomfortable, certainly can be serious. I have been able to find no evidence that anybody actually died from it. Now, you might you might be able to find something. Hey, here's two people that we know died from a reaction they had uh, to the vaccine. Okay, uh, send it to me and I will look at that. Um, But uh, Tucker Carlson pulled this as well, saying the vaccine could be killing thousands, hundreds of thousands of us. I still have not been able to find any evidence of that. And importantly, there have been population studies of large groups of people. Just here's a group of people the same age. One group was vaccinated, one wasn't. The vaccinated group had a lower rate of all cause death in the period following the vaccine. So 
I would love it if someone presented some of the evidence. Roseanne Barr certainly didn't. Tucker Carlson certainly didn't when he brought it up. If someone in the audience has the evidence, please send it to info at davidpackman.com. If you sit all day long while you work and you've never tried a desk that can transition between sitting and standing, it really is a game changer. I've had an uplift desk for a while. I use it every day to record the show, prepare for the show, do my office work. I'm sitting at an uplift desk at this very moment, and I've been using uplift desks for many years. We wanted them to be a sponsor and we finally were able to make it happen. Standing while I work helps me get the creative juices flowing. I feel more productive. I'm focused. I'm more alert. And it's also healthier. I'm just moving around more. My circulation is better, which is just good for your health. I use the uplift standing desks because they don't wobble totally stable, even with all of my show equipment on them. The build quality is just tremendous. And you can completely customize the desk by choosing from over 100 desktop choices, hundreds of accessories. I have a whole bunch of them, including a USB hub and a keyboard tray and all sorts of things. They have free shipping, free returns, free return shipping and an industry leading 15 year warranty. My audience gets 5% off when you go to upliftdesk.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman5. That's U P L I F T desk.com slash Pacman. Then use code Pacman5 for 5% off. The info is in the podcast notes. As many of you know, I spend a lot of time working on the show, doing research, preparing for interviews, filming the show. And when I need just a quick and easy snack during a break, I love whipping up instant ramen noodles, low maintenance, but ramen noodles have never been known to be the healthiest thing in the kitchen. Our sponsor, Immy, has changed that. Every pack of Immy ramen noodles has only six grams of net carbs, up to 21 grams of protein. That's three times more than traditional brands, helps you feel fuller longer and 18 grams of fiber, which is great for gut health and digestion. The best part is it tastes better than any other instant ramen you've ever had. Six delicious flavors. These are all vegan black garlic chicken. It's vegan. Spicy red miso, spicy beef, vegan pork tonkatsu, vegan. Imi is a fun and tasty instant ramen experience like you're used to with more to offer nutritionally and without all the carbs. Having Imi around will keep you from going for the junk food. Go to immyeats.com slash Pacman five. Use the code Pacman five for five dollars off. That's I M M I eats.com slash Pacman five. Use code Pacman five for five dollars off. The info is in the podcast notes. This may be the uh, coda, at least as far as we're concerned for now, with George Santos. George Santos was, of course, expelled from the House of Representatives. We covered it. He's trying to take a whole bunch of people down with him. This is just a funny little uh, extra note. The day before Santos was expelled, he sat down with a group of reporters. And even though he is in a gay marriage, he criticized gay marriage. He condemned the very institution that he uh, participates in. Business Insider reports George Santos sat down with a group of reporters the day before he was expelled. He criticized the institution of same sex marriage, saying he prefers civil unions to force that on society was a problem. Uh, one of the, the the article reads, 
one of the less recognized about Santos was his status as the first non incumbent openly gay Republican elected to Congress. In the sit down, he took a swipe at what most consider to be an achievement of the LGBTQ rights movement. He said, I was an opposer of gay marriage. It just so happened that he said this on the day of the two year anniversary of his own gay marriage to his husband, Matt. Santos entered into the marriage, quote, because it was an option, but he did not believe it should be called marriage and that the government should not be involved in the institution. There are pictures of uh, of Santos with his husband, and it says, I thought it should have been a civil union. It would have given us the same benefits, the same rights under the law. Making it marriage was never the business of the government. I'm not saying I oppose just gay marriage. I oppose marriage by the government in general. To force that on society was a problem. That is why we're still debating right, which is sort of like completely incoherent in every way. First of all, the idea that by making gay marriage legal, gay marriage was was foisted or who was it that said foistered? I don't was it Bush? I don't remember Trump. I think the idea that it was forced upon people, you don't have to do it. You, you actually don't really need to do it at all. And in fact, for people who say, well, you know, once it's once it's legal, you kind of have to do it because otherwise you don't get all of the same benefits. That's really not true. If your concerns are financial, you can put in place an estate plan where you are uh, providing the exact same circumstances that a marriage would provide. If it comes to uh, medical decisions or visitation or different things, you can put in place a document like if George Santos was really committed to the fact that he believes the legalization of gay marriage was something was something that was forced upon the people and he wants to show his opposition to it by not participating. But he just needs these tangible benefits. You go to a lawyer, you tell them what you want and you do it. OK, what about the tax benefits? Fine. Uh, something tells me that that's not the main thing here for George Santos. But more importantly, for me, Santos just seems troubled. He seems like one of these folks. If you look at all of the lies, if you look at the desperation to essentially build the mirage or facade of an individual that doesn't exist with regard to his educational achievements and accomplishments and background, his athletic achievements, his employment achievements, his financial and economic circumstances, if you consider all of that, he just seems troubled. And there does seem to be kind of like a self-hating element to this. So I don't know if I'm reading too much into it or potentially not enough, but something about Santos saying he's against gay marriage on the two year anniversary of his own gay marriage. It's all just a little bit too on the nose. Will this be it for George Santos? I don't know. Oh, I wanted to mention this. George Santos is now on Cameo. The, the service I'm also on where people can have me record, you know, a greeting or a birthday greeting or whatever sort of thing. Santos is on there. I tried to go on yesterday to get Santos to record a message about the David Pakman show. I had some ideas of stuff that would be funny. And it said that he's unavailable on Cameo, even though there's a bunch of articles about now having been expelled. He's on Cameo. He wasn't taking new requests. I don't know what it's all about. If anybody can find out what's going on, or if you notice that Santos is one, once again taking requests, please email in to info at davidpackman.com and let us know so that we can get some George Santos cameos uh, recorded. I have some ideas of things that I believe would be funny. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but that's his new career recording cameos. Liz Cheney, a Republican, 
was interviewed by Savannah Guthrie yesterday about her new book. And there were some extraordinarily disturbing things that Liz Cheney said. Now, I'm going to give you my view about Liz Cheney before I even play this clip. Is Liz Cheney on some level courageous for as a Republican, knowing that it would hurt her? And it did. She lost a Republican primary. Um, Did she do something at all courageous by coming out and saying Trump's a danger? He has no business being anywhere near the Oval Office. This guy's a disaster. Yeah, there, there is something courageous about that. At the same time, is she still at the end of the day a Republican with whom I disagree with on most policy? Yeah. So we're not romanticizing that these are now progressive allies or anything like that. If she's willing to help keep Trump out of office to prevent the crisis of democracy that that would be, I'll accept her help. But I'm under no delusion that people like Liz Cheney are now progressive allies. So let's take a look at this. Here's what she says about what's at stake if Trump gets four more years. It seems crazy to ask this and even crazier to fathom it. But do you believe if Donald Trump were elected next year that he would try to stay in office beyond a second term? That he would never leave office? There's no question. You think he would try to stay in power forever? Absolutely. I mean, he's already done it once. And in fact, if you look at what he did in the run up to January 6th in terms of his pressure on the vice president not to count legitimate electoral votes, his pressure on the Department of Justice, on state officials, and then refusing to send help when the Capitol was under attack, um, he's already attempted to seize power. And he was stopped. Um, thankfully, and and for the good of the nation and the republic. Uh, But but he said he will do it again. He's expressed no remorse for what he did. It's crazy. So Liz Cheney says he will try never to leave. I mean, he's not going to live forever, but he will try never to leave for as long as he's alive if he gets back into the Oval Office. One of the arguments I keep hearing over and over again when people are sounding the alarm about this is, David, He's probably not going to succeed. He's almost certainly not going to succeed. That is not a good argument. Even if an attempt to stay in office after losing an election is likely to fail, the mere attempt can have disastrous ongoing consequences. First of all, globally, there have been instances where leaders tried to remain in power against democratic principles sometimes successfully. So the first takeaway is sometimes even if such an attempt is viewed as unlikely to succeed, it can get traction, especially if there's support from certain segments of the population or political entities, military, Senate, etc. So the, the idea that we are right, that it's unlikely to succeed, we could just be wrong about that. And, and so that needs to be understood. Secondly, When you try to stay in power after losing an election or serving out a term and it being time to go, it can lead to the type of civil unrest and even further political division that can get quite literally dangerous in the physical sense in terms of what it can generate out out on the streets. And the belief among some supporters is the attempt to stay in power is legitimate. And so those supporters can become weaponized out on the streets. Oh, do we have to wonder whether that happens? No, we know that it happened on January 6th of 2021. Uh, Thirdly, future leaders, even if Trump tried to stay in power but failed, future leaders can be emboldened to try the same damn thing, maybe with more success by seeing someone like Trump try it once again. So 
This is sort of like, hey, you know, the person tried to commit a crime but failed. They offered a bribe, but the bribe was turned down. Therefore, we don't have to worry about it. That entire perspective is completely wrong. Here's one more clip of Liz Cheney. She was asked by Savannah Guthrie. So it's it's very clear you don't want Trump to win. Will you vote Biden? She doesn't actually say I will vote Biden, but it seems that she is suggesting she probably will. So I'll put it to you very plainly. Will you vote for President Biden if Donald Trump is on the other side of the ticket? We don't know yet who the the uh, nominees are going to be. Certainly, I hope that the Republicans don't nominate Donald Trump. But if uh, they do, that I will never vote for Donald Trump and I will do whatever it takes uh, to make sure that Donald Trump is defeated, including in a vote for Biden. I will do whatever it takes. I will do whatever it takes. So listen, I'm reading between the lines. It seems like she's saying if it's Biden versus Trump, she's going to vote vote for Biden. Now, it's kind of obvious that that's the answer. It's very clear from the last few years that that is that is what Liz Cheney would do. I wish she would just say it. And um, the, the real test as to whether she's honest on this issue will be once Biden is officially the nominee, once Trump is officially the nominee, again, assuming neither one of them die. Um, will she be willing to say, yes, we now know who the candidates are. It's Biden versus Trump. Trump's a danger to democracy. So I am simply not going to vote for him. It's going to be months until we see that. I hope that that's what Liz Cheney does. Uh, not a progressive ally, but to the extent that we share a goal of preventing the attack on democracy, that would be Trump getting four more years. I will accept her help gladly. I will accept the help of anybody who understands that risk. And uh, we'll we will see who else joins that list of folks as we get closer and closer to this election. Thirty million trees are destroyed every year for toilet paper in the U.S. alone. So toilet paper is a big contributor to deforestation and climate change. Our sponsor, Real Paper, makes toilet paper from bamboo. Bamboo plants keep growing, which means no deforestation. Bamboo also absorbs five times as much carbon from the atmosphere as pine trees and bamboo toilet paper is stronger than regular toilet paper and even softer. So bamboo toilet paper is all around a win for you and for the environment. It's time to move on from that toilet paper from trees that you're using at home. When you use real paper, it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing anything. It's soft and fluffy and they'll ship it to your door in plastic free packaging on a schedule. Super easy with every box of real paper you buy. They are funding reforestation efforts across the country through their partnership with One Tree Planted. So unlike the toilet paper that cuts down trees, real is helping to actively plant them. Go to realpaper.com slash Pacman and use code Pacman for 30 percent off your first order and free shipping. That's R E E L paper.com slash Pacman. And then use code Pacman. The info is in the podcast notes. Many of us have holiday parties, New Year's parties coming up. You may enjoy an adult beverage. And let's face it, after a night with drinks, you don't necessarily bounce back the way maybe you used to. So you've got to make a choice. You could have a great night or a great next day. Until Zbiotics came along, our sponsor Zbiotics makes the world's first genetically engineered probiotics created by PhD microbiologists. Zbiotics is a probiotic drink 
breaks down the byproduct of alcohol, which is responsible for some of those feelings the day after. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. This byproduct, not dehydration, is to blame for how you feel the next day. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic produces an enzyme to break that byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in the gut where you need it most. You drink a tiny bottle of Zbiotics before having any alcohol. You then drink responsibly, get a good night's sleep, and you will feel great the next day. Zbiotics works for so many people. Read the reviews online. Go to zbiotics.com/pacman and you'll get 15% off your first order when you use code Pacman at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/pacman. Using code Pacman saves you 15%. The info is in the podcast notes. I don't pretend to be an expert in physics, astrophysics, metaphysics, uh, any of the various areas that scientific experts have studied for centuries. I, I just I don't pretend to be an expert in any of those things, but I don't believe that we have yet invented the sort of time travel that makes the things invented or discovered that makes the sorts of things that Republicans have been claiming to try to attack Joe Biden possible. And I'm going to give you a really specific and concrete example. Uh, RNC chair Ronna McDaniel went on Fox News yesterday. And she says that the Biden White House killed the Hunter Biden story in 2020. The problem with this assertion is there was no Biden White House in 2020 to kill that story because it was Donald Trump who was president of the United States. And it was Trump's White House that was in place in 2020. Let's take a look at what Ronna McDaniel had to say. And the Fox hosts don't even care. And this is a Biden White House that was meeting with social media companies, dictating what they put on their platforms before the 2020 election. Really, the Biden White House was telling media platforms, social media platforms what to do before they were a Biden White House. That's fascinating. That to me is suppression. This is a White House that killed a Hunter Biden story that we now know is true that prevented voters from knowing that before the 2020 election. That to me is suppression. It's just ridiculous for them to say that. And let's look at what they're fighting at on voting laws. We are in 72 lawsuits right now. The RNC is with Democrats going into states saying we want to get rid of voter ID. Why wouldn't we want voter ID? Why shouldn't you say who you are to vote? Every American agrees with that. We have to get ID out to, to buy Sudafed and they don't want you to show an ID to vote. Why are they doing that? That's not good for democracy. So they are absolutely the threat to democracy and they're trying to dismantle our elections and our social media <laughs> and control the narrative. And I they're mean, doing it in their own it's primary. It's certainly worth looking at the actions of both parties and weighing what they have and haven't done uh, to actually <laughs> suppress anyone's vote. There you go. It is worth now. Now, of course, Martha McCallum sneaking in there, presumably a statement in order to minimize the legal risk to Fox News would be my guess. And say, well, you know, look at what anybody has done to suppress the vote. Uh, there was no Biden White House in 2020, and they continue to insist. Now, if you press them on it, you know, we sometimes we on the left, we get the idea that we've got a gotcha for them. If we mention this to them, they'll just be dead in their tracks. No, they'll go. I mean, the people that were working for Biden's campaign 
who became the Biden White House. But this is not an accident that they try to get away with saying the Biden White House, because the idea is for people who don't know any better or who don't understand how time works or don't whatever. Um, they want to create the impression that as president, Joe Biden and his cronies are going around telling social media companies what stories to allow, what stories not to allow, et cetera. And again, if you press them on that, they will say, you know what? During the pandemic, they went around trying to um, uh, uh, tell social media companies don't allow medical disinformation. The Trump White House did the same thing. The Trump White House and the Biden White House both recognized some of the overt disinformation and propaganda about uh, the covid pandemic is creating a problem for us to actually try to deal with the pandemic. So if you're going to go go with that as you're when you're pushed and pushed and pushed and push comes to shove, if all you've got is the Biden White House, once it was a White House, tried to get social media companies to work with them on suppressing disinformation, the Trump White House did the exact same thing. Um, at the end of the day, the base believes it. The base doesn't really care. And um, it's Joe Biden's fault, apparently, that the Trump White House killed a story that isn't true, that still isn't true, by the way. And they are still looking for that smoking gun. We talked at the top of the show about their latest smoking gun, and there's not even smoke coming out of it. So that's where we are. Time travel would have to be possible for uh, the allegations that they are now making to be true. Donald Trump was interviewed by the religious right group Moms for America. Uh, the interview went completely and horribly wrong. This is my absolute favorite moment from the interview. Trump is asked about Barron, his son, and just oozing love for his son. Trump says Barron's doing a very good job. <laughs> it's like, yeah, especially as a parent now and, and most of my friends being parents, the idea that this is what it looks like when a parent loves their kid is just so damn funny. Look at this. Good tall guy, too. Very tall. <laughs> How tall is he now? I'd say six, eight. Oh, my goodness. So he's up there, right? Yeah. And he's a great he's a great young man and he's a very good student. And uh, I think he's doing a good job, Baron. He's I think he's doing a very good job. He said. Yep. He has some of the best approval polls of anybody. The fake news media won't tell you that, but Barron's height is off the charts and uh, America just loves him. Even, you know, uh, he I went to him the other day. I said, sir, your numbers are incredible. And he cried and it was just a beautiful thing. What a bizarre way to talk about one of your kids. I think he's doing a very good job. And this led to more questions about Trump's views on drugs and is he keeping Barron off of drugs? And it's all a bizarre blend of emotional disconnectedness connected to pandering, trying to pander to a group of people that probably has no business supporting Trump anyway. 17 now, Barron, right? Yes. Okay, so at four years old, there's that CNN interview with him, and it was the cutest thing ever because you said to him, listen, no drugs, right? right? No alcohol, no cigarettes, straight A's, no tattoos. Are those words the advice that you're still sharing with your grandchildren now? What a great interview. Well, I do. I do. <laughs> and uh, the tattoos, I think, are in a little different category. You know, you have people with personal preference, that's right. their preference. But no drugs and no cigarettes and uh, 
It's just, in the old days, I had a brother who was a fantastic guy. He used to look, he'd look at me and say, no drugs, no alcohol, no cigarettes. But actually, the drugs was much later, really, because if you look at drugs today, it's like today so much is drugs, right. less right. is alcohol. So much today is drugs. Cigarettes I always add in. It's not a positive thing. Right. And if they can avoid it, that would be, that's a great thing. But uh, I would tell my kids before they, they'd see them every day, I'd say, no drugs, no alcohol, no cigarettes. And yeah, so Ivanka would say sometimes, Dad, I know, I know what you're going to say, Dad. Please don't say it. Right. And I think it had an impact. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Look at your kids. They're stellar. You know, Amazing. When you, when you have one of your children or of your children on drugs, it just puts them at such a disadvantage. Right. It's, uh, you got to keep them away. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier to keep them away. Once they get hooked, that's a whole different ball right. game. Right. But when you preach to them before they right. get addicted, right. because that's what it is. It's an unbelievable chemical addiction. and right. Now, by the way, I actually do understand Trump's obsession with this. This, this is maybe the most human you'll ever see Trump, his brother. Um, uh, I, I believe died of alcoholism. And so like this is actually this may be the most honest you will ever see Trump ever, ever, ever addiction and everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, you can. It's just so much easier mm -hmm. if they don't start. It's so much easier. Right. That's it. And you're doing such a great job and you always have con concerned with the fentanyl and the drugs yeah. coming across yeah. the border. Um, thank you for what you've done. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Please to make our country great. And uh, unfortunately, now it's all being reversed. Now it's been reversed at a level that nobody's ever seen. People are flowing yeah. in. Drug dealers are flowing in. Here we go. I was working on a deal would have happened very quickly with China. They weren't not going to make it. They were going to make it part of the death penalty if they make it. All right. Anyway, so now he goes into his killing drug dealers thing. Very strange interview. You can just tell Trump really loves his son, can't you? One other moment from this, Trump is asked the very tough question, where do you draw your strength from? Where do you draw your faith? And Trump naturally talks about his poll numbers. For some people, it's scripture. For Trump, I guess it's poll numbers where he draws his strength. How do you do this? How, where do you draw your strength from? We're talking about faith. Yeah. Where do you how do you do this every day? How do you get up and fight for every single one of us? It's probably the biggest question I get. The second biggest would be they're not going to be allowed to do it again. OK, you know what that means. OK, that's right. number two. But number one is how do you do it? One of the reasons is that I have the highest poll numbers people have <laughs> virtually ever seen. Yeah. You're beating these people by 60 points and we're beating Biden by a lot. There you go. So Trump gets his strength from his poll numbers. You know, I continue to find fascinating the way in which actual religious groups. Now, listen, I'm not a, a supporter of these right wing religious groups. I'm not. I think Moms for America and all these groups are all absolutely terrible. The policies they want are a disaster. I think they're all disastrous groups. But what's funny to see is how they figure out a path to supporting a guy that they really have no business supporting. Trump's not actually religious. Trump's not actually against abortion. All of these things have just been fabricated. And it's sort of like where everybody suspends disbelief. Trump pretends to be against abortion and religious. These groups pretend to believe him. These and it's all motivated by what? It's that it's all better than a Democrat. That's at the end of the day what this is all about. So Moms for America, 
Where do you get your faith, sir? It's such a strong strength. No one's ever strength the way you do. Well, I'm beating Biden by a lot. Understood, sir. Yes, the evangelicals will vote for you. Sad state of affairs. Don't let anybody tell you it's not a cult because that's exactly what it is. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. As I sometimes do at the end of the show, I am going to play a voicemail. Significant feedback to my interview with Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman. Here is one gentleman who liked the interview. Hello, sir. My name is Robert. I'm calling from California. Longtime member and very pleased with the product that you produce. Your show is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Listen to the interview with the shaman, and I appreciate the guardrails that you put on that conversation, how you stuck to the questions and required him to answer the questions and stay on, on topic. It was a it was a nice interview to listen to and I appreciate it when you hold people uh, accountable to the questions that you ask. Please Thank keep you. doing the great work and we really appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. No, listen, um the QAnon shaman interview was very interesting. There were a couple things that did he did slip by me and they're going to come up. We're working on a way that they will come up again on the show, so I would, won't even go into them. But I did the best I could with all of these. And the, some of these people are slippery in the sense that they'll just go from one topic to another to another. And you think you've got them cornered and then they move on to something else or they start calling you dude or going to ad hominems or whatever the case may be. You know, you do the best you can. I think the guy is dangerous. Unfortunately, he does represent a larger he represents a larger portion of, of MAGA than I would like to admit. Um, and, you know, we didn't really get into his mental illness. He opened up the interview unprompted by saying, I'm not mentally ill or anything, despite the fact that his lawyer did argue that he's mentally ill. I didn't even get into that topic because it's a sensitive topic. But many people emailing me and weighing in and said, David, he seems mentally ill. The fact that he immediately said, I'm not mentally ill also is a red flag. A whole other world to explore with the QAnon shaman. But for now, if you vote in the district he's running in in Arizona, I would suggest the country would be better off. The world would be better off if we prevent that guy from becoming a member of Congress. We have such a great bonus show for you today. Ohio senators want to change the marijuana law that voters okayed and not allow people to grow cannabis at home. Why? We will discuss it. Two, eligible voters are being swept up in conservative activists pushing for these voter roll purges. We will tell you where it is happening. And thirdly, the Biden administration says, hey, you know what? We don't have unlimited money for Ukraine and we need to figure out what's next. We will discuss all of those stories and more on today's bonus show. As of this moment right now, we are one thousand two hundred and twenty seven subscribers away from two million twelve twenty seven. I believe we're going to hit it today. Okay, when we hit two million. We're doing a 24 hour membership blowout. My accountant's coming to me saying, David, don't do it. My lawyer is coming to me saying, David, don't do it. Mike Pillow's cyber guys at the Symposium are coming to me and saying it's too much of a discount. When we hit two million, we're doing it. And if you want to be notified of this insane membership special, I think I hear my employees at the door pounding on the door saying, David, don't do it. Just get on my newsletter at davidpackman.com 
And when we hit two million, you'll be notified how to take advantage of this great 24 hour. You miss it and it's gone. Membership special. I'll see you on the bonus show in a moment.